Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast, this time reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from June 4th, 1983, taped on May 25th, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last, my pleasure to be with you once again, and joining me for this journey through wrestling history, as he does each and every week. You know him, you love him, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing good, Brian. We're coming off a really, I guess, a really, really good week of Mid-South. You know, we had the debut of Magnum TA. We had some other things going on with DiBiase with the arm. We had some weird and crazy commentary from Bill Watts describing Grant Marcus's thoughts on Tito and Chavo. So other than that, I'm ready to jump into another big-time episode of Mid-South as we are in now June of 1983. I guess you can say we're officially into the summer, although I don't know when the official date of summer is. Uh, it seems like whenever you get to June, though, you're in the summer. Because for I me, agree. as a kid, I was out of school. That was the summer. That was That's what I considered the summer as a kid. You know, you, you don't think of the actual dates. You think of the minute I get out of school, it's summertime. So summer was always a blast. On Long Island, school usually went until like June 22nd or so, but as soon as you hit June, it was over. Like You knew it was like, these are the last couple of weeks, classes are going to be lax, no one's going to really give you any homework, there's nothing to do. Plus, you know, the weather's nice enough, you get home, you go right to the beach. So yeah, I agree. June is summer, and uh, this summertime episode is missing someone, and that's Cowboy Bill Watts. The commentators this week, Boyd Pierce and Ted DiBiase. So we won't have a terrible amount of audio to play because it is a major sea change or sea shift. I don't even know what the expression is. And I come from the sea. I don't even know what the expression is. But it's a big change you'll notice in the tone of the commentary. And there's not as many key points being pointed out over and over like Cowboy Bill Watts usually does. But with that said, let's go to the open of the show. Boyd Pierce and Ted DiBiase. Network. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and as usual, Grizzly Smith with another outstanding card. Mr. Rassing 2 will be in the ring against Mr. Olympia, who will be seconded by General Skandar Akbar. Also, Hacksaw Reed takes on Tony Zane. And Magnum T.A., Terry Allen, who made a sensational debut here on Mid-South last week, goes against Kendo Nagasaki, the Black Ninja. Hacksaw Jim Dugan versus the powerhouse Super Destroyer. It all adds up to a lot of excitement. And a man who's here with us is our guest commentator, not to use this program as a sounding board of his own, but he'll give you the expert commentary, I'm sure. But before we introduce Ted DiBiase and talk to him, Ted, the question that's in everybody's mind, I know you'll satisfy mine, the people at home, and some wrestlers too, because a lot of people don't believe that you're injured, so I want to ask you, when is the cast coming off? Well, I'll tell you right now, Boyd Pierce, that I take it as an insult for anybody to question the authenticity of my injury. I'll have all you people know that my doctor is Dr. Bo Strange of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He's one of the finest orthopedic doctors in the state. And if you want to, I'll bring the x-rays of this injury to TV next week on Mid-South, and I'll show everybody that my hand is broke at the hands of Jim Duggan. And I understand that you have a VTR today of an incident that took place here on Mid-South last week involving one hacksaw Butch Reed and King Kong Bundy. Butch Reed issuing a challenge to King Kong Bundy. Bundy not only defeating his own opponent, but then going ahead and defeating 
hacksaw butchery after he shot off his mouth. And if you've got that piece of film, I'd like to take a look at it now. All right, let's watch it right now, please. And that's what we do. We get a recap of King Kong Bundy versus Tom Jones, which, of course, went right into King Kong Bundy versus Hacksaw Butch Reed. Ted DiBiase questioned about his broken hand, but apparently his doctor's name is Dr. Strange in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. His name is Bo Strange, and he'll be bringing an X-ray to prove it next week. Yeah, let's stay tuned to see if we uh, catch the X-ray or whatnot. Look, I, DiBiase isn't great on commentary. I, I will agree with you there. But he is such a sleazy slime ball. Just heal. He just irks your nerves in the worst way. And you can hear the level of just disgust that he has right here for Boyd questioning his injury as he tells us his doctor's name is Bo Strange, and he's going to have the x-ray for us next week. Well, coming out of the recap of King Kong Bundy demolishing Tom Jones and beating Butch Reed, we go back to the desk for a moment. Let's hear this. Ted DiBiase, we saw the incident, King Kong Bundy against not one but two, but as we watched the rerun from last week of that incident, Grizzly Smith, our matchmaker, came to the table and informed me that Hacksaw Reed is not here this week and taking his place Johnny Rich versus Tony Zane. Well, I think that's just real funny. I'll tell you what, if I was Hacksaw Reed and I got beat after shooting off my big mouth like that, I wouldn't show up either after being humiliated on televisions in front of the millions of viewers. And they're in the ring right now. Let's go for the introduction and Reese bout. And that is what we do, Mike. We get our first match. Johnny Rich, apparently filling in for Hacksaw Butch Reed, who was injured last week by King Kong Bundy, versus Tony Zane, Rick Ferreira as the referee. Any thoughts or notes about this match? Well, I I want to say something real quick about the recap right there from DiBiase and Boyd when they were talking about Bundy versus Reed and how DiBiase gloats. And he says, you know, yeah, I wouldn't show up either if I got embarrassed like Reed did last week. No, you show up. You just come up with the fact that you have a quote unquote broken arm or injured hand. It's a repetitive pattern that you do uh, to get out of wrestling or dealing with the top stars in the territory. So I had to point that out as saying that's actually phenomenal by DiBiase to say what he said about Reed. Because, yeah, you show up, but you weasel your way out of wrestling matches. And I thought that was just an excellent point right there. As far as Tony Zane and Johnny Rich. You know, DiBiase talks about Bundy during a match. DiBiase mentions Bundy and that he and DiBiase have tried to get Bundy to join them. But for the right price, the you know, the man will eventually get the job done. So stay tuned to see if that ever happens. No spoilers or whatnot here. Uh, Boyd does mention JYD at one point and says Bundy uh, may have pinned Reed with the five count. But let's see if he can do that to JYD. And then DiBiase, <laughs> this is the point that I was kind of teased last week, but didn't really say it. DiBiase kind of made me laugh. He said, look, I'm not out here to use commentary as a sounding board uh, for myself. So I'll, I'll not comment on that related to JYD and Bundy and the five count. Johnny Rich does win by pin there, though. Johnny Rich wins with a backdrop into a three-quarter Nelson pinning combination. And then we get a match. It's been built up for a long time now. I guess close to six months, maybe even more now that I think about it. Mr. Olympia with General Skandar Akbar versus Mr. Wrestling 2. Alfred Neely as the referee. This is a big grudge match. Let's hear a little bit of the commentary to open up this match, and we'll talk about it on the other side. This event is for one fall with a 10-minute time limit in the red corner. At 244 pounds, seconded by General Skandor Akbar, 
Mr. Olympia. And in the blue corner at 236 pounds from Atlanta, Georgia, Mr. Wrestling 2. And you hear the introduction, you hear the fans with the cheers when the inter uh, Mr. Wrestling 2, Alfredita called for the bell immediately and the match starts. Mr. Wrestling 2 against Mr. Olympia and you see Akbar scattered from the ring. Very definitely, Boyd, you're going to see some action in this match. Although I'm supposed to be an unbiased observer for obvious reasons, I've got to go with Mr. Olympia, who is my, my partner, and I have a great deal of respect for since he wised up to a few things and came over to my side. Although I have no, there's no love lost between myself and wrestling, too, I do respect the man as a great athlete, a very agile athlete, and quick. There he goes with that big knee again. I'll tell you what, Boyd Pierce, I think personally that that big knee should be outlawed. Now you see Mr. Olympia trying to regain his footage and back into the ring, sure but the is. knee it's caught like, him flat, and he's that's out. That's like a legal weapon, that knee. Outside Just like hitting ring. somebody with a hammer. Akbar trying to help him back inside, but I don't really know whether he quickly wants to return or not. There he is, Mr. He's Rackley. supposed to let the man come back in the ring clean, and there he is jumping on him as soon as he's got his head through the ropes. And how can you respect a man like that? Mr. Rassing, too, has proved through the years you have to respect him or he'll make you respect him or he'll force you to respect him. He's one of the greatest athletes of all time as he's proving right now with a side headlock and added the pressure to Mr. Olympia who's on his back. Once again, I'm not disputing the man's ability because he's world-renowned in wrestling. But I'd also like to point out that even though he has the advantage of my partner right now, my partner is showing a great deal of stamina and staying with him all the way. All it takes is one opportunity to get the up and there it was right there. Mr. Olympia, sharp as he always is, took the opportunity and is taking it to him. Well, they were here some of the commentary from Boyd Pierce and Ted DiBiase. What are your thoughts on this match, Mike? Again, a big feud, a big grudge, been building up for a long time. Yeah, I mean, this has been going on for a while. I, I was trying to think back, as you mentioned it a second ago, how long they've been going at this. I mean, this is months in the making i mean the stalking i mean that went on for two months i believe or maybe even close to 10 weeks straight we we had the stalking situation and then that finally broke through where it appeared it was olympia and then olympia did confirm it was him um we had the ah god this is man we're like four to five months into this i'm guessing at this point i don't know off the top of my head but yeah this is a big grudge match you know it was kind of quiet, which was really strange to me. And I was just wondering if it's because it's been so long and we haven't really revisited these two in a, in a while that the crowd was so quiet. Uh, I did. I, I did have that note. Also, I got to point out, DiBiase isn't the greatest on commentary like you and I have discussed in the past on this show. But I just think his his, you know, the fact that he's just so smug about his you know, I would never do things like that. I would never do this. I would never do that. But he's the biggest weasel in the territory. He he worms out of everything. He he does the most heinous acts, but he likes to act like he doesn't. He's just such a hypocrite that it works, especially as a heel. So I know I said a lot there, Brian, but did you notice the quietness of the crowd like I did? It was a bit surprising considering how hot and heavy this had been. Maybe it's because it is so long after, not necessarily after it started, but after things really got heated between the two. And now Mr. Olympia is obviously in the tag team title picture. 
I'm not exactly sure why the crowd wasn't as into this as they should have been. I mean, they, they come out hot and heavy. Olympia's throwing some pretty good-looking punches at, at Mr. Wrestling 2's face. Not exactly sure why. Yeah, I mean, they, they're slugging away at each other, man. I mean, they're... This is not, you know, just a, you know, a collar and elbow, hip toss, arm drag. I mean, they're they're throwing their haymakers, man. It's it's typical mid south match, you know, punching and kicking, and Olympia and I mean, two is really rearing back and laying it in there on the punches like he always does. You would figure the crowd would be more into it, but they weren't. Now, as I say that, they got into it at the finish, so I want to point that out. Well, let's go to the finish. Let's hear the closing minutes of this match. Mr. Olympia versus Mr. Wrestling 2. That's it. That could be it right there. That could be it right there, Boyd. Not too many people get away from Mr. Olympia's sleeper. He's putting many a competitor away right there. And 2 is sagging. on the outside of the ring here at ringside saying go to go as their favorite in the ring now with the sleep roll being applied by Mr. Olympia. Alfred Neal is checking. Disgusting. The wrestling two still staggered. Getting good credit where credit's due. He's hanging in there pretty tough. Mr. Olympia right back on that sleeper. Oh, did you see that? Did you see that? He ran the man's throat deliberately into, the, into that top turnbuckle. Mr. Olympia showing some more stamina, coming right back up. Boy, I wish this hand was healed. Boy, Pearson, this I guarantee if this hand was healed, he wouldn't be doing that to me. There goes that knee again. Now what's he, look at that. What's he doing? He's got no business slapping Akbar. Akbar's the manager out there. That's it, Mr. Olympia. That's it. That's it. What? There, Akbar with no business on the apron. He's just tending to his man. There's that big knee again. I'm telling you, that's like a lethal weapon. It ought to be barred from wrestling. Waiting for the opportunity oh, with another power knee. One, two, three. Akbar's in, but not in time. Well, Akbar coming in the ring to see about his man. Well, look at wrestling two. He's got no business putting his hands on my manager. None whatsoever. These people go Akbar ahead and Akbar came in the ring. Jared Akbar went out of the boys. ring. Mr. Rashing to the winner. We'll be back with more action after Just this message from Mid-South. Well, there it is, Mr. Olympia and Mr. Wrestling 2. Wrestling 2 winning with the knee lift, which Ted DiBiase thinks should be outlawed. Any closing thoughts about this match, Mike? DiBiase is the ultimate hypocrite on everything. He's he's really good with this hypocrisy that he just spews on his commentary. I mean, he's... Akbar had no business getting involved and he's defending the manager who got involved who's on the ring apron trying to get involved and two is like nah bro you ain't doing that and two gets up and just slaps him a couple times like literally two to three times across the face Akbar takes a bump and and then two like you like you heard there two eventually hits him with the knee lift I I would love for DiBiase to hypocritically explain why the knee the big knee from two should be outlawed as he explains like What's so wrong about that move? I, I wish he would have elaborated more on why it should have been outlawed. But other than that, 
They pick up at the end. The crowd was chanting two. Two eventually wins when he hits the knee. The crowd cheers. And uh, Akbar got a little uh, jaw shot, too, at the very end as he tried to come in there and mess with two during the pin. But uh, I thought good stuff. Otherwise, they were quiet. But in the end, it picked up. Starting to think maybe Ted DiBiase owes you money or something. He's such a hypocrite. Like, it, and it's it's actually great because everything he says on commentary, he's being the ultimate, like, he's talking out of both sides of his neck. He's doing things. He does things that if if he could commentate on his own matches, he would be like, oh, that should be illegal. Oh, that should be illegal. And yet the baby faces, everything they do is illegal. They shouldn't be messing with Akbar. It's just so hypocritical that it's it's actually wonderful coming from a heel. I, I, I think I like DiBiase more on commentary than you do, but I do agree you can only take so much of him. Like you couldn't he couldn't be out there weekly. After a while, I'd be like, okay, I'm 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 done with this. Well, coming out of that match, we get our next one. Boris Zerkoff versus Tom Jones, Ricky Ferreira as the referee. Since you love DiBiase so much, let's hear some more commentary from Ted talking about Boris Zerkoff. I'm sure you'll have some accolades for Boris, Boris Zirkoff. Boris Zirkoff, Boyd Pierce, and you're certainly right. Ted DiBiase and Skandar Akbar don't tolerate losers in a Rat Pack. This being the newest member of my Rat Pack, and he's a man that'll take it right to you just as he's taking it to Tom Jones right now. This man is very aggressive. He takes a fight to you, and he doesn't mind hurting people. That's the name of professional wrestling is money. And the only way you make the money in this sport is you win matches. And if you got to get rough to do it, then you get rough. As you can see, the man is very well built. Has a lot of stamina. He's in shape. Tom Jones trying to give him everything he's got, but it's not enough to even stop the man. Next week here on Mid-South Wrestling, the same Boris Zirkoff and his partner, Mr. Olympia, the Mid-South Tag Team Champions will be defending those belts against the challenge of Hacksaw Jim Dugan and the Junkyard Dog. That's right, Boyd Pierce. Like I said before, and I think my feelings are, have been expressed clearly on how I feel about that situation. The Supposedly, Dick Murdoch didn't show up, and all of a sudden there's Hacksaw Dugan teaming up with the Junkyard Dog Probably, as far as I'm concerned, the two craziest men in wrestling, yet Mid-South, in my opinion, continues to condone these type of people. Junkyard Dog carries a chain. Jim Duggan busted a two-by-four board over my back from behind. And as you all have seen, I'm wearing this cast on my hand, broke my hand with a tire tool, yet Mid-South continues to condone that. But don't ever underestimate the general and Ted DiBiase and the Rat Pack. Tom Jones battling back gamely now against Boris, Boris Zirkoff. I want to say Boris. I, I don't it's get Boris, that. Oh, Boyd, I know it's Boris. Boris Zirkoff. Believe me, before he's through, you'll know how to say his Bringing name. that throw well. to Tom Jones across that steel cable on the top rope. Well, there we hear some of the commentary. Boris Zirkoff. What does he want to call him? Boris? Bur yeah, he kept saying, <laughs> boy kept saying Burris, and DiBiase's a little perturbed with him getting frustrated with Boyd as he kept saying Burris. It's Boris, Boyd Pierce. He yells at him. Uh, let me let me say something about this. I don't give a damn how many times Ted DiBiase says that this man was a member of the Rat Pack. Boris Zerkov is no member of the Rat Pack in my mind. What about you, Brian? 
I think we should have a drinking game for every time you call Ted DiBiase either a hypocrite or a weasel. <laughs> okay, it's true. Be tanked <laughs> by the middle of the show. Yeah, that's true. I, I often get accused of using the word shenanigans too much by some people out there. So, But it's true when shenanigans happen. So take a drink every time you hear me say shenanigans. I don't think I said it once last week, and this is the first time I said it this week. So you wouldn't be too tanked. Any thoughts on this match? <laughs> Boris, Boris uh, Zirkoff versus Tom Jones. Uh, Boris Zirkoff uh, wins when he hits a knee drop off the second rope. That's my thoughts on the match. Coming out of that match? We get another interesting moment here on the show. You know, last week they did a lot to build up King Kong Bundy, defeated Tom Jones, and then he defeated Butch Reed after Butch Reed challenged him right away after his match with Tom Jones. This week, King Kong Bundy is scheduled to wrestle Art Cruz, but there's a change of plans. Someone who we have already seen on this show has purchased the contract that Art Cruz had for this match. Let's go to this. This event is for one fall with a 10-minute time limit. In the red corner, at 420 pounds, from Atlantic City, New Jersey, from Devastation Incorporated, King Kong Bundy. King Kong Bundy being introduced, waiting for his opponent, Art Cruz, to enter the ring. 420 pounds, from Atlantic City, New Jersey, Devastation Incorporated. What's this? What's this, boy? Pierce, I see wrestling two coming down to the ring. That's not our cruise. Well, it seems that uh, this event was scheduled to have Art Cruz opposite King Kong Bundy, but something has happened. That's right. Something has happened. I bought his contract. I fulfilled half of my personal feelings out on this Olympia, but it's not complete. Everyone remembers what happened here. With you, King Kong Bundy, and it hasn't ended, and it's going to begin again right now. You and I. And you and me, boy, I'm right here. Let's go. At 236 pounds from Atlanta, Mr. Wrestling 2. We don't need an introduction for that one, Ted DiBiase. I'll tell you what, boy, Pierce. Wrestling 2 just bit off more than he can chew. Out bragging and boasting because he just got the victory over my partner, Mr. Olympia. And I'll tell you what, when he wanted to tangle with King Kong Bundy, you heard what Bundy said. Here I am, come and get it, and look at Bundy going to work on wrestling number two. Here's a man that beat two people last week. He was issued a challenge last week by one great big deltoid, Butch Reed, and you saw what happened to Reed, and you see what happened. is happening to wrestling number two right now. As far as I'm concerned, he deserves everything he gets. 420 pounds from Atlantic City, New Jersey, Devastation Incorporated. King Kong Bundy now. And Devastation is exactly what he's putting on wrestling number two right now. And those big boots into him. Bundy utilizing all of his forces in his feet and his hands. You heard Hacksaw Butch Reed call him a big moon pie. Well, that big moon pie put him down on the mat. And Mr. Wrestling 2 taking the attack to the big man from New Jersey. I never said that wrestling number two wasn't game for a fight. But you see that he's not even stunning. And he moves out. Moves out and crashing into the corner post on the far side is Bundy and 
really going to the attack. Mr. Rashid, can he put a knee in? He just there he answered goes the with question. Those knees again. Hitting him with those knees. I told you, Boyd Pierce, they ought to ban that knee. It's an eagle in the move. So you can see, that's right. Over the top rope, and Alfred Neely. He called for the disqualification for Boyd Pierce. King Kong Bundy don't care about that disqualification right now. I tell you what, the man was challenged, and what he wants to do, there he doesn't want to beat him, he wants driver. to hurt him. That's it. A tremendous Pile driving driver. right there on the floor. That's right. I think that's great, Boyd Pierce. Wrestling number two looks just real good. Laid out on that concrete Alfred floor. Alfred Neely giving the signal now. It disqualified King Kong Bundy. One more time, somebody stuck their nose in King Kong Bundy's business, and you see what happened. King Kong Bundy disqualified as he threw Mr. Like I said, two. Boyd, when the price is right, Bundy gets the job done. And we'll be back when action continues after this word from Mid-South. Well, there it is. King Kong Bundy pile-driving Mr. Wrestling 2 on the floor twice. Something that happened to Ted DiBiase on Georgia TV a couple of years before this. The fans, you know, to your earlier point, Mike, the fans seem more into this than they did Wrestling 2 versus Olympia. Yeah, it's just, I, I guess it's like you said, so much time had gone by with the 2 and Olympia angle. Maybe they just... It was kind of like out of sight, out of mind, and they just weren't really feeling it. I mean, we went many a weeks on TV where I guess it wasn't really talked about, too. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. It's really hard to describe, at least for my side of it. I, that's how I kind of see it. They are much more into this, and they're throwing these haymakers at each other. And, God, they're just they're just in there brawling. And I, I just thought that, you know, if you thought Olympia and two went at it in the earlier match, these two are really just throwing some hands. and. At the end, you heard it right there. You know, two ends up going over the top rope, and Bundy gets DQ'd, and Bundy Bundy just follows him outside and pile drives him on the concrete. And man, when you pile drove somebody on the concrete back then, that was serious. I mean, this was the equivalent of pulling out a gun and shooting a guy. He's pretty much dead out there as he takes this fall. Um, that's about the same spot where Dick Murdoch brain busters DiBiase too is what I thought about when I saw that and we'll see that later on in 85 but uh yeah man he's out cold on the floor when he takes that pile driver from Bundy coming out of that we go to our next match the black ninja Kendo Nagasaki without Skandar Akbar by the way versus someone who entered last week's show as Terry Allen and left as Magnum TA and in fact it is Magnum TA Rick Ferreira as the referee any thoughts or notes about this match, Mike? So since we're now, I mean, I know they said it last week and we did too, but since we're now officially making him Magnum TA, uh, Brian, remind me at what point that you knew him as Magnum TA and not Magnum Ta, as you had said once on the 605 many years ago? Well, it, it was a while because when I was a kid and I got the magazines, uh, you know, again, this is the late 80s. He had already been uh, put out of wrestling due to his car accident. I don't even know if Magnum PI was still on TV, but my house really didn't watch magnum pi so i don't remember ever seeing him so i didn't know magnum pi and i had never seen magnum ta wrestle and i would just see it in the magazines and i was a kid i thought it was magnum ta so <laughs> i actually i didn't say this last week but i wanted to bring it up as you're as you're talking about him being magnum ta uh, i actually remember the first time i saw magnum you know ta obviously and, and i remember this and i thought especially after watts called him magnum ta last week I immediately thought of Magnum P.I. because we were at this point, 83, right in the middle of Magnum P.I., which 
ran from, I think, 1980 through 1988. So we're three years into Magnum P.I. And um, my mom did watch that show. So obviously I saw many of them when they aired and he really did look like, you know, Magnum P.I. So it made sense to me. And and besides the fact that Watts, again, on TV, called him T.A. and not Ta. uh, I realized that. But I always laughed at your story when you said Magnum Ta. Well, I got into wrestling in 89, so Magnum P.I. was already off the air. Magnum T.A. had been retired for three, retired, I mean, due to injury, for three years. Yeah, he had been out the sport for, for a long time at that point. So, yeah, it makes sense. But, yeah, if you do look at the magazines, uh, I, I had looked at it at one point, so I don't have an exact issue in front of me. I, I remember seeing just the T and E.A., no, no periods in between. Uh, which I guess you could mistakenly say Magnum Ta. Uh, it doesn't sound as far-fetched as one would believe uh, it to be. So here you go. Magnum Ta uh, is here. How many fans outside of the AWA territory thought their champion was Vern Gagne? Yeah, I don't I don't remember at what point I, I thought it was Ganya. I mean, I would have called him Gagne. I mean, it's easy to do back then. Look, let's be real. Mid-South, world-class, many of these territories, they couldn't even get the freaking names right as they were printed on the graphic. I mean, I, I'll even point <laughs> you to something. Like, before this match starts, as they're going to commercial from the previous match, and you go look at it. I'm staring at it right now. They have Magnum as Magnam, M-A-G-N-A-M. I'm not talking about when they announced Magnum in the ring. They corrected it then. At that point, they had it spelled right. But in the recap, right before they're about to go to commercial, in the old thing where it says Mid-South Wrestling next up, you know, Magnum T.A. versus the Black Ninja, it literally says Magnam. M-A-G-N-A-M. So, look, at the end of the day, none of these promotions could get it spelled right. We saw a check in world class with Ric Flair, R-I-C-K. Gary Hart was famously always would call him Ricky Flair. So these names back in the day, uh, none of us could keep them straight because half the time the damn the the, the graphics on the on the station were also wrong as well. They couldn't spell Murdoch. They couldn't spell Von Eric. They couldn't spell Rick with a with a C. They would spell it with a K. So it's easy to be mistaken here when you're talking about some of these graphics and whatnot and names. Yeah, they by the way, they misspelled Weingroff later on in the show. But before we get there, there you go. The finish of this match, Yoshiyatsu comes out. Kendo Nagasaki goes to blow the green flame into the face of Magnum TA, held by Yatsu. He ducks out of the way, hits Yatsu. So another big victory for Magnum TA, who gets the atomic drop on Nagasaki after his disappointment for hurting Yoshiaki Yatsu. Yeah, and this is how you build someone up, too, as I as I say that right before uh, you go to the next segment. I mean, here it is. He beat Super Destroyer, who, I mean, is not a huge star from Mid-South, but, I mean, he he had a name, so he beats him uh, convincingly. I mean, no no cheating or anything. Uh, obviously, he's a babyface. He's not going to cheat. And then he pins the Black Ninja Kendo Nagasaki here. And you know what? After only two weeks, if you watch the fans when Magnum uh, fights off these two and is able to pin the Black Ninja here, the fans cheer. They're like, okay. So, like, this is how you do it. You take a guy who, relatively unknown, he just shows up unannounced. We didn't know he was coming in. All of a sudden now, he's got two big victories in back-to-back weeks against uh, named stars. So there you have it. Our next match on the show, the Super Destroyer versus Hacksaw Duggan with Alfred Neely as the referee. I didn't have any notes about this match other than the fans are super into Duggan, although the fans are starting to leave the Irish McNeil Boys Club. It's towards the end of this TV taping. Hacksaw Duggan wins with a spear. Any thoughts or notes about this? 
I had the same thing. You had loud chants for Duggan as Duggan heads to the ring. The fans are on their feet. Dugan, Dugan, Dugan. I don't have anything else from it, though. That was, I mean, it's it's apparent. We've said it a million times now. Duggan's over. The final match on this week's episode, Rip Rogers versus George Weingroff making his debut in Mid-South Wrestling, another former ICW wrestler arriving here. There ends up being no winner to this match. Time runs out. And unlike previous weeks where they started doing this, they ring the bell. They don't let the match continue as the show ends. They ring the bell to show that the match is over and television time has run out. But let's hear a little bit of commentary from Ted DiBiase about George Weingroff, who I was always fascinated by the fact that he was in professional wrestling. Obviously, his father, Gentleman Saul Weingroff, longtime manager of the Von Brauners, but George Weingroff had a bit of a disability, which if you look at him closely, you can kind of see in his face. But let's hear Ted DiBiase talk about it. George Weingroff who's a newcomer to Mid-South Wrestling, and uh, a lot of background on this young man. The, from what I understand, Boyd Pierce, uh, he, he's legally blind. That doesn't mean he can't see, but his vision is impaired. Uh, what I understand, uh, he can see close up, but uh, can't distinguish things at a very far off distance. But uh, the man was uh, a collegiate wrestler at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, for four years, and what I understand, did very well as an amateur. Doing a very good drop kick there on Rip Rogers. Uh, also, uh, a school teacher for four years, and at the high school level, which indicates that the, the man is well educated. And on top of all of that, Boyd Pierce, he's from a wrestling background like myself. He's a second generation wrestler. His father is Saul Weingroff, who a lot of the wrestling fans should remember. Again, a newcomer to Mid-South, and I will have to admit this and say this very openly, that when you've been everywhere else, when you want to find out what you've got, you come to Mid-South, very obviously, because the best are here, and also, quite obviously, I wouldn't be here if that weren't the case. George Weingroff with a side headlock on Rip Rogers. Well, there it is, some notes about George Weingroff, legally blind. And if you look at him, you can kind of see his eyes that they, you know, they're going in different ways. And it is pretty remarkable that he's able to wrestle as snug. Well, I guess you can only wrestle snug when you can't see anything with any distance. You have to be very close up and you can kind of make things out. But what do you think about all this? Yeah, you can you can tell when you look at George Weingroff in the face, if you ever see a, a really clear shot of him uh, as you watch it. I mean, there's a spot in this match where he's got a rip and a side headlock on the ground. And if you if you just freeze it there and look at it, you can you can see his eyes. I mean, I've seen it too on on some of his world class stuff where he's, I mean, it's clear. I mean, you can tell he he's got vision problems, and it is pretty amazing that even given his vision problems, um, that he you know he was a successful collegiate wrestler, um, and, and whatnot. So uh, credit him here. I mean, he's overcoming a lot to get in the ring to do that. I mean, that's that's not. Not easy to do, man. I mean, it's, it, it is wrestling. You're not just you're, you're not just kind of sitting there. You're doing a lot of moving around and whatnot. So, I would think too, um, it's probably a good thing he's he was a, a baby face. Uh, you wouldn't want to be a heel and have that situation because you really need to see these fans coming for you. But, um, yeah, no, interesting stuff from DiBiase and a really good explanation right there from uh, wine, about Weingroff, I should say. Well, with that, we wrap up another episode of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast, and we are in the summer of 1983. We'll see where things go from here. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter, 
and Great Brian Last. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter, at Super Podcasts, also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast, 605pod.com, or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I like to post clips of these shows from time to time. Also, come check out Book in the Territory twice per week at this moment. We're almost done with our Smoky Mountain Wrestling shows. But uh, you can listen to the uh, Saturday night on TBS recaps every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Central Time. That's when those shows debut. And like I said, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, at least for the time being, our recaps were almost done. And those drop on Sunday nights. But you can listen to the entire, I guess you can call it, back catalog of all of our shows whether it's the 80s TBS shows or the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Recaps at tinyurl.com slash bttpod or just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from and subscribe and listen there. We are the unprofessional wrestling podcast. The jokes are terrible. The language is strong, but we still have fun nonetheless talking about old school classic wrestling and all of its greatness that it was. Brian, this was another fun week. I look forward to the next to see where we go with everything with Butch Reed and JYD and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Lots of stuff happening. We got Magnum TA in the territory now. So it sets up for a fun summer and fun end of 1983 as we move right along in Mid-South Wrestling. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nakarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!